And would you take your scriptures now and go to the 16th chapter of the last book of the 66 books of what we know to be the Holy Scripture revelations. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here today. And I continue this presentation by way of the word of the Lord of the lessons on the last days. And this morning's lesson is entitled God's Preparation for the End. I often get in my effort to bring you up to date, bring you current from where we were from last Sunday. I, I get detoured and sometimes I spend too much time on the past and not move ahead. You already know that, so I'm going to move ahead. That, as you see on the screen, presents to you a sort of a timetable of where God's calendar of events is moving. We have come from eternity past as a civilization, however old the earth may be, millions of years, some people say. We've come from there to the cross of Jesus Christ, which... The act of his atoning death accomplished for us 2,000 years ago freedom from sin and hell and death. That whosoever believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it was 2,000 years ago, they've gone on, or today, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have been, since Jesus has been gone, in the age of the church. Since Jesus has been gone, preachers and teachers and pastors and prophets and Sunday school teachers and mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas and people, red skin, white skin, yellow skin, brown skin, uh, black skin, whatever skin tone, tone, God has preached the gospel through his servants uh, all over the world. And we are the church from all over the world to the church local. We are waiting for the rapture. The rapture. The rapture is the describing of what's going to happen when Jesus comes in the clouds to snatch away everybody saved. I've been telling you this because I don't want you to miss the rapture. I, I've been telling you that the rapture, the snatching away, the catching up of everybody saved, whether they died waiting for the rapture and they're saved or they're alive, will take place faster than I can snap my fingers or you can blink your eyes. And I've been telling you right after the rapture, this world is going to go into a series of judgments of God known as the tribulation. I've told you that everybody saved going in the rapture will be up in heaven for seven years. It's what's known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. I told you everybody left behind, everybody unsaved, will go through hell on earth. A invasion of hell, if you will. Like this world has never seen before. Because in the tribulation, God is telling the world enough. Is enough. God is telling the world, I've given you thousands and hundreds of years to receive the message of redemption. God is telling 
you and I, that in our lifetime, no how old you are, we've had opportunities after opportunities to get ready. He is coming. And He is going to destroy this world eventually. This world as you know it will end. Did you hear me? This world is going to end. And scientists tell us, without even being theological, that that is a, not a matter of, of if, but when. Scientists tell us in the History Channel, and I sent many of you the link to the History Channel and their presentation of the seven signs of revelation. And if you would like that link and didn't get it, leave your name at the church office. We'll send it to you. You know what scientists says about all that? I'm, what I'm about to read to you, you're going to think, is somebody having a bad dream writing this stuff down? Somebody hallucinating, having a nightmare. John the Revelator. John is the one who received the revelation on an island in the Aegean Sea known as Patmos. When they tried to kill him and they couldn't kill him because he served the Lord, they put him on an island to leave him to die. And they thought that would be the end of that fellow in a few days or weeks. But there God gave him energy and revelation and inspiration from heaven to his mind that he wrote down. That's why you have this book of Revelation. And what you see here in this book is a lot of descriptions or a lot of descriptions about what is to come based on John's ability to identify with his current world situation. The tribulation. Let me, let me, let me bring it. See that seven-year tribulation? Let me, let me focus on just that alone. Let me bring you to this timeline. The church age. The rapture. Immediately after the rapture, after the world chaos has been subsided, after one, almost one billion people are gone to be with the Lord, and folks run here and there and yon, realizing they've been left behind, it's going to be months, but after those, a man is going to come on the scene who is going to be very charismatic, very articulate, very convincing. Uh, he is going to rise up out of the uh, confederacy of ten nations, probably out of Europe where the ancient Roman Empire was, according to Daniel's prophecy. And he's going to usher in hope and help after chaos. This man is going to have an assistant who is... Shown to us in Revelation is the false prophet. Now, they won't, he won't come on the scene as the Antichrist initially, but when he changes his mood later on in the tribulation and he blasphemes God and kills all of those who wouldn't take the mark of the beast, then he'll known as the Antichrist. You got these two, two persons and, and they, they're going to start leading the world into a time of what may seem like prosperity. But then God's going to start pouring out judgments. What this Antichrist person is going to do is going to create a, an agreement with the nation of Israel, a peace treaty between Israel and the Palestinians, the Jews and the Muslims. You know, they've been wanting peace in that part of the world for eons of ages and nobody can produce it. And listen to me when I tell you that, that, that 
He will give them a peace like they've never known before, sign a treaty with them. The Palestinians and Jews will coexist together. The Palestinians will have their mosque. The Jews will have their temple. And the Jews will return to the ancient practice of animal sacrifice. And this, this, this uh, Antichrist says he's going to be charismatic and charming. And, and he is going to be seen as the Messiah. He's going to be seen as the Jews do not believe Jesus as the Messiah. You already know that. I think you know enough Bible to know the Jews did not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The Christians have. And, and God is using us then to spread the gospel the Jews rejected him. They saw him as one like Moses and Elijah and a good prophet and a teacher, but not their Messiah. They go to the wailing wall now. Orthodox Jews go to the wailing wall and they pray and they tarry and they pray in their synagogues. They're waiting for the Messiah. When he comes on the scene and gives them an agreement between the Palestinians and they have their own land, etc. and place of worship, they're going to think he is the Messiah because the devil is going to give the Antichrist and the false prophet supernatural power to do miracles and signs and folks are going to follow them by the a million, millions, three and a half years into that, which is a seven-year tribulation period, this Antichrist guy is going to find out the Jews are not really willing to give him their total allegiance. He is going to demand more from the Jews, and they're going to realize this ain't really the guy we thought he was, because he is going to, he is going to go into their temple or holy place and break the covenant he made with them about peace. And he is going to, in what is known as the abomination of desolation, he is going to blaspheme, insult, ridicule, and curse their God. And he's going to just mock their religion and everything he ever promised them. He's going to take away from them. And they're going to know that he's not for them. He's against them. And they're going to run for their life because he is going to do to them what Hitler didn't have a chance to finish. What you have is that ushers you the last three and a half years of what is known as the tribulation period. Now listen to this. In that seven years, and if Jesus comes today in the clouds to snatch us away, this begins. We are in heaven. There are three series of judgments that will take place on the earth because man has refused God and sinned. The seal judgments are preached about. The trumpet judgments are preached about. Today I will speak to you about the final of the three series of judgments known as the bowl judgments or the vile judgments. Chapter 16, Revelations. Now, now what, what I will say to you today is, listen when I tell you that the, the fact of the matter is, two things I want you to get about this very quickly. And if you take notes, I want you to get this. The, the first three and a half years of the judgments of God where the trumpet judgment and seal judgment took place. They were judgments that were partial in their effect. In, in other words, these were judgments that caused war, it caused famine, it caused uh, natural disaster, it caused disaster on the land, the sea, and in the air. But they were only partial because only one-third of the oceans was troubled. Only one-third of, of the water was troubled. Only one-third of the vegetation was destroyed. Only one-third of the planet were affected. The trumpet and seal judgments were partial in their Effect. Look, get this. The bold judgments I'm about to tell you, they are going to be absolute in their effect. Meaning all the earth and humanity will be affected. No one will be avoided and miss it. Listen to this. During this seven year period, if you think you can miss the rapture and have hope to live, you might be fooling yourself. Because during this seven year period, one half of the world's population will die by these judgments of God. The reason why it's not seven years, it's not 17 years, but seven, why it's not eight, but seven, is because unless God stops it, the whole world's going to be destroyed. Can, can I get a witness here by faith if you know what I'm talking about? So, so you need to understand that, that what I'm saying to you is not something that, that I, have, uh, I have said, you know what, let me just come to church and scare them like you know what. 
I didn't set in my mind to come here and say, you know, I just am in a bad mood today and I want to talk about some negative stuff. Listen to what, the, what you need and I need to understand. This entire Bible is given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as God's Word and God's revelation to us. We cannot, as a church or individual, pick and choose out of this Bible places we like and camp out there and places we don't like and avoid it. Somebody ought to say amen. Because it speaks of judgment. And it speaks of, uh, of death and hell and the grave. And it speaks about earthquakes and wars and violence and the sun turning into blood and the ocean turning into blood and the sky darkened. Because it talks about symbols we don't understand doesn't mean that we can excuse ourselves from it. Can somebody say amen? I'm telling you that there are places in the Bible that is difficult to understand, but it's necessary. There are places in this, in this Bible that may be hard to digest, but God gave it to us so that we can be prepared and be blessed by what He has given to us and not be cursed by avoiding it. Can I get another amen? So here's what's going to happen, okay? It's not beyond my comprehension and yours to know that in this present age of the church, that the church in America and around the world have denied many of the truths of the gospel. You already know that. Since 2,000 years ago, Jesus died and told us He's coming again to preach the gospel. We've had many series of revivals around the world in the last 2,000 years and in America. God has poured out His Spirit. Millions have been saved. Millions have died waiting for the Lord. And millions would go up when the rapture takes place. But listen to this. While there have been waves of revival for the last 20 centuries, there have also been waves of apostasy. Backsliding. Just like there is in America now. And so what you have is there, there are numbers of, of compromises that the American church have made in recent years as it relates to the Bible and, and the Word of God. Because in American churches this morning, there are those who deny the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But it's in this book. In the American churches this morning, there are preachers and teachers who deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They see Him as just one of God's higher angels or a, a human being with gifting from God, but not God in the flesh. The Bible says He is the only begotten Son of God and He is equal with God. That's the Word of God. Can I get an amen? There's the denial of churches and pastors and Christians that many people do not believe in the inspiration, inerrancy, and absolute authority of the Bible. There are people because they want to live like they want to live, have heaped for themselves preachers uh, who will tickle their ears. Can I get an amen? There are people who have heaped for themselves teachers and preachers who will only uh, soothe them and stroke them and make them feel good. Don't preach about hell. Don't preach about judgment. Don't preach about the consequences of sin. Don't preach about some other way to salvation and we'll tithe and give and make you happy. But God says that the Word of God from the start to the finish is the Word of God. But, but in American pulpit, there's, there's the denying of the biblical creation. So we got people believing in the Big Bang Theory and Darwin's evolution. There is the denial in American pulpits of the saving blood of Jesus Christ as the only way for salvation. There are those who say you can come through Islam, you can come through uh, Hinduism, you can come through humanism, you can come through secularism, you can come through uh, uh, the, the, the occult, to, to, you can come even because they even make gods out of devils. Anybody hearing me? Uh, and what I'm saying to you is, is the Bible says, the Bible, the preachers in America, in order to just keep crowds come in and everybody happy, have taken sections out of the Bible to say it is not relevant anymore. It was Old Testament or it isn't so. 
And yet the Bible says about Jesus Christ and our need for salvation that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says there is no other way to salvation but through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Not Muhammad, not Krishna, not, not, uh, not, uh, not any of the other uh, Hare Krishnas or, or any other the other movements of the world. And you know what they are and I won't get time to tell you all of them. The only means of salvation and eternal life is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There are those who will tell us that the virgin birth was not really real, that Mary had sex out of marriage or, or being espoused, uh, engaged to Joseph. She cheated on him and Jesus was born. That's a lie from hell. But there are those who would propagate it. There are those who say and that the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't really real. So it wouldn't surprise me that what I'm about to teach you and preach to you, share it with somebody else, they'll deny that too. The trumpets are not real. The judgment's not real. If there's a hell, it's right now. There ain't going to be no heaven. And, and, and because, let, me, let me say this to you. You better be sure where you get your stuff. Okay? God has not failed in fulfilling every one of the prophetic events about the birth of His Son, about His ministry, about His death and resurrection and His going to heaven and coming again. Everything that God said in His timeline up until now will happen, has happened. You can't lose with God. So, so I'm saying all that to tell you that when you look at these judgments, be very careful. That because you don't understand everything, doesn't make you responsible for what you know. You see, what, what's going to happen here about another thing you need to observe is now these judgments that will take place in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. You need to know that these bold judgments include everybody, but they are more intense than any other judgments that ever took place prior to them. God's had enough. He's had enough of Hollywood mocking him. He's had enough of people living in open, blatant, sexual perversion when he created our body as a temple of God. Can you hear me, somebody? He's had enough of people mocking the cross and the blood and cursing God and pointing their finger in his face. He's had enough about people committing adultery and fornication and sexual sins and lusting after the world, the flesh and the devil when they know what is right. And he's given them hundreds and thousands and thousands. God has given humanity thousands of years to get it right. And he's saying... Before you point your finger in my face and say, I'm not a loving God, remember, it didn't have to end this way. Revelation chapter 16, please. Verse number 1. It says here, are you there? Say amen. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Verse 2, so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the image. Please understand when I, when I show you this here that the Bible says foul sores appear in all the followers of the Antichrist. Everyone who has the mark of the beast suffers. The mark of the beast includes the number 666. And it originated for the purpose of providing the ability to buy and sell during the tribulation. But now this mark that people thought for a season brought blessings is now going to produce pain. When, when I tell you about the mark of the beast, understand 
that it is a system that the Antichrist is going to incorporate in his government, whereby he would have control of everything and everybody in the world. I don't need to re-preach this, but I'm telling you that what you hear me saying this morning won't happen right after the rapture and they'll come up with a mark. The system is already here. What I'm telling you about is, is we have already have the technology. We already have the know-how and the ability to incorporate many of the things that will be necessary for one man to rule the world. And, and you know already that there are enough chips, the little computer chips and otherwise uh, uh, devices that can be planted under the skin of one's hand or his forehead or her forehead. And on that chip you already know can have all your medical information, all your financial information, all your family information. It will be ushered in like some stuff is ushering now. Many people are accosted or assaulted because they carry a billfold or a purse or some kind of possession on them that somebody else wants to steal. They want to steal their credit card, they want to steal their purse, they want to steal their identity, but with a mark of a chip under your skin, they don't know whether you have it or not, or under your forehead, in a place that is while, while, while is, uh, is very pleasant and cosmetically designed, the, the, the Antichrist and the government will say, look, let's stop all this violence, all this assault, people are jogging alone and they get assaulted, or they're someplace else in a mall and their purse is snatched, and let's just bring in an era of less crime and violence and conveniently, so that if you have an accident and nobody knows who you are, they'll just scan it. If you have to go in an emergency room and, and you're unconscious, they just scan it. So what? And it sounds so convenient. Listen to me. If you take the mark of the beast, that chip under your skin or your forehead during the during the tribulation, if you're left behind, you miss heaven. The only reason you miss heaven is because you wasn't saved. You missed the rapture. But if you're left behind, do not, do not, do not take the mark of the beast, because if you do, you are eternally damned. Now, it's amazing how easy it will be to take it when you're thinking, no, I won't. It's amazing to know that when your when your children are hungry, or your grandchildren are hungry, or you are hungry, and all you got to do is put this little chip under your hand over here, then you can get all the food, all the groceries, all the gasoline, all the clothes, everything you need. It's amazing for you to think in your spirit, you know, I'll take this now, but I'll take it out later, and I'll, I'll repent and serve God. It'll never happen. Did you hear me? Please hear me. It will never happen. One, I don't care if you pry it out of your hand or pry it out of your head. Once you sold yourself to the Antichrist and the devil, you are doomed forever. Well, what do I do, Pastor? You do not take the mark. You hide out. You find other Christians, you find other means of surviving, do not take the mark if they find you, they're going to kill you but it's best for you to die for Christ and go to heaven and the bus hell wide open with the Antichrist somebody say, I'm not going there thank God he's helping you, can you give him some praise you see, what's going to happen is, is for a while, everybody who takes a mark are going to get blessed, blessed. People are going to turn in Christians. People are going to negotiate with the spies and the undercover agents for the Antichrist. The Antichrist are going to have undercover agents all over the world to expose Christians and believers. And when they do, he's going to give them money, food, clothing, pleasure, trips. And for a while, those with the mark are going to be happy. But God's going to turn it around and he's going to send sores. Near the end of the tribulation upon everyone who's taken the mark. And it may be sores as a result of a nuclear warhead explosion or a plague or a virus. Let me tell you this. Unless you think I'm hallucinating about this, let me tell you there's been enough plagues in the history of the world that could have wiped out humanity if God didn't stop them. Can I get an amen here? You see, oh, help me, Jesus. What does this mean? That means all who worship the beast will suffer. False worship, if you're taking notes, write this down. False worship and false Christ 
always leads to personal pain and agony. Did you hear me? False worship and false Christ always leads to personal pain and agony. We got people in America who've made gods out of sports heroes, who've made God out of movie stars, who've made God out of television personalities, who've made God out of other religions and cults of this world. False, 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 false. It always leads to pain. Second bowl of judgment, please. Chapter 16, verse 3, if you're there, say amen. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and a foul, and a, pardon me, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Now listen, I, I don't know if God's going to release an angel, because you know there were seven angels and seven seals, seven angels and seven trumpets, seven angels and seven bowls, like large bowls or vials. I don't know if God's going to, like the image that we have on the screen, is going to send an angel literally in the sky. He could do it if he wanted to. But how many of you know that when the plague took place in Egypt, and Moses' admonition to Pharaoh to let the people go, that, that one of the plagues was that water turned into blood. How many know that to be in the Bible? However God does it, it's highly up to him. But here's what's the result of it's going to be. All the seas turn to blood. The blood is repulsive, repulsive, a dead man's blood. A living person's blood is more liquid, flowing. A dead person's blood is more coagulated, more uh, gel-like. The blood is destructive because the Bible says all sea life is killed, everything in the sea. The sight of this and the stinking smell of dead whales, seals, fish, marine life, multiplicities of millions of sea life, animal life, will flood the shores of the world. And the stink and the smell will be unimaginable. Now, lest you think I'm just kind of bringing something out of the sky, out of my head, because I had some nightmares, let me tell you that you've got to be living in another world if you don't know this is capable of happening. In 2005, in one of our shores here on the west coast of the United States, thousands of marine life came ashore because of death in the sea. In other parts of 2007, other parts, have you ever heard of red tide Give me a witness here. Red tide. You have it? Yeah. Okay. Do you know that there are, there are enough marine life in the sea that have the capacity for poison and killing that because of the fallout of a nuclear weapon or otherwise the sea becoming contaminated can create this kind of disaster? Death from the sea. I grew up in the islands, came to America when I was 11 years old. And so all I know is sea and ocean, and I love, I love the beach and the sea, and I also love the food that comes from the sea. Matter of fact, this past Thursday, it's just a personal accomplishment that I celebrate every year on, the, on November 12th. November 12th, 1968, there was a remains of a blizzard in New York City at Kennedy Airport. 
November 12, 1968, there were piles of, of snow on, on all over the tarmac and all over the city where the plows had come through because they had an early snow and the wind was blowing. November 12, 1968, I stepped off on the, front, on the top step of Pan Am American Airlines with just a shirt and a pants and regular because I came out of the tropics and didn't have a coat or a sweater. And I breathed out the American air for the first time 42 years ago and I could see my breath. I never could see my breath in the islands when I breathe. And so I almost lost my breath wanting to see my breath because I had come to America, didn't come on a boat, and my father didn't teach me rap music. I came on a plane. <laughs> 42 years ago, when I turned about 35, 36 years old, I began to discover I'm allergic to shellfish, shrimp, lobsters. Crab, shellfish. used to eat fish all the time. And as I got older, the more the allergy would affect my eyes. It would feel like my eyes were going to close in. I feel like there was gravel in my eye. My windpipe would close in. I thought, oh, Lord, I love this guy. Anybody here know what I'm talking Anybody have, I know of anybody with allergies like that? Yeah. Uh, and... Even if I crack the crab shell to give to my daughters so they can enjoy it, the porousness of, the, uh, of what's in the, the shellfish would affect me negatively. I've had to get up and leave the restaurant, leave the table because of the nauseous feeling. Uh, you going to have seafood for lunch? I mean, I just... <laughs> I'm saying to you that, that there are poisoning agents in marine life that have paralyzed people unintentionally. It can happen. The sea can turn to blood. And red tide, red tide can destroy much of the marine life. You see, here's what, here's what the meaning of this judgment is. The meaning is man has denied the blood of the Redeemer. And now they must wallow in the blood of rebellion. Did you hear me? Mankind has denied the blood of Jesus the Redeemer. And now, because of denying, they will wallow in the blood of rebellion. Third bowl, please. And let me move on so you can get a better taste. Oh, I don't think you will, though. Uh, Look at verse number 4. If you're there, say amen, please. It says, verse 4, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and streams of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. I want you to see here, brothers and sisters, that the angel, this is the third bowl, the angel causes all rivers and springs to turn to blood. The angel who oversees the waters worship God. What happens is, in the midst of all this judgment coming on the world, uh, what the, the, the people in the world become callous and hard and hateful against God. Instead of their repenting and turning to God, they begin to they continue to risk, resist God, just like many Americans do this morning. Instead of saying, thank you, God, that I'm alive, I have another day, I'm, I'm, my life is not the best, and my situation is not the best, but thank you for another chance. People, it, as it is today, will be in that day denying God. But the angel pouring out the judgment will say to the world, for the world to hear, will testify that God is righteous in His judgment. Can I get an amen? 
He's saying, you are righteous, O Lord. This is verse 5. The one who is and was and is to come. You, the, those who get this judgment are worthy of it because they have denied your love and your invitation. The Bible tells us that there are people who will die during the tribulation for the cause of Christ. Many of them who say, I will not take the mark. I'm a child of God. Will be beheaded by the guillotine because the Antichrist will use various methods of killing people who oppose him and they will die. But the Bible also says these same people out of their graves, when they, it seemed like a prayer is coming up out of their graves that says to God that they have shed, verse 6, they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. What happens is the very people who kill God's people during the tribulation, can I get an amen here? The very people who support the Antichrist and, and, and uh, tattle on God's people and cause them to die, God's going to turn around and judge them also. And not only, brothers and sisters, are they going to be avenged, but the Bible tells us that all the water, rivers, streams, reservoirs, everything will turn to blood. And people will have to drink blood if they drink anything. It's appalling, but it's true. Everyone with the mark will suffer. Because God will turn it around and says, you caused my children to suffer, now I'm going to cause you to suffer. Can I get a witness here by faith? I'm not saying that I want you to suffer. I'm just saying that you don't need to be here. Can I get an amen? The people who have died for the cause of Christ during the tribulation, they love God. They serve God. They got it right. When they missed the rapture, they realized their mama was right and they got saved. When they missed the rapture, it's not going to be easy. They realized the preacher was right. Because when you get right after the rapture, you're going to get dead right after that. And while that sounds very negative, it's better for you to go that way than to go with the Antichrist. But those people are going to cry out from their grave and say, how long, oh God, is this Antichrist and the beast and Satan going to kill your people? And God's going to say, I'm going to turn it around. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. If you plan not to be here, say amen. amen. Fourth bowl, please. You find the fourth bowl described in verse number eight. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give glory to God. You know what happens by now? We're coming down to the winding down of this seven-year tribulation. This bowl is poured out. The ozone layer of the earth no longer exists. Rising greenhouse gases burn up the protective layer of the atmosphere that keeps us from being scorched to death now. Ultraviolet rays from the sun burn all flesh. How many of you know scientists are telling us that the earth is warming up? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making it up. How many know that we, we've heard about global warming? Very probable and very likely. And, and what happens here is, is this rising greenhouse gases will cause men and women to die from heat and sun radiation and poisoning. You Americans amaze me. I'm one of you, by choice. But you are trying to get my complexion. And you go under these lamps and these lights and these other places. You know, that's the only thing I have that I think somebody else envies. Nobody wants to be bullheaded. Nobody wants to be short. Nobody wants to be loud and a little bit overweight. Okay, a lot overweight. But if anything, that you can keep him, Jesus. Just give me his color. But it won't be funny then, will it? Nobody will be sunbathing then. Because the sun... Listen to me. Our planet is heating up. And the effects of a heating up planet is catastrophic. Please, please let me emphasize to you. This is not only probable. 
and possible it will happen. Because when the, when the earth heats up and the ice caps of the Arctic and the Antarctic melt, huge chunks of ice are melting every year from these ice caps that once were frozen solid. It causes the sea level to rise. Can I get an amen here? And you know what happens when the earth warms and the sea warms, the water temperature in the ocean warms? Hurricanes feed off of warm ocean water. Am, am I telling you the truth here? Doesn't, doesn't uh, uh, meteorologists tell us? So, so there are going to be intense hurricanes as a result, feeding off these waters, producing this kind of, of uh, judgment. The Bible says, look at verse 9. People should be repenting when they see all this happen. But they blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they do not repent. You don't want to be here. Somebody say, I ain't going to be here. I like it. I'm going up with you. Hallelujah to Jesus. Look at number 5, please. Everybody, number 5. Verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. This would be the Antichrist where his throne is. And his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Verse 11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And did not repent. Look, look, look at this. Didn't God cause one of the plagues in Egypt to be one of darkness? Oh, I'm talking about appalling darkness over the Antichrist and his kingdom. Forever how long, I don't know. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. Darkness. So grotesque is the darkness and, and horrendous because the screams will make it even worse. Of those suffering from these judgments. There will only be, not only be the darkness of your, not your, I hope you're not here, of people's capacity to see Blind, losing the... Yeah, you're looking, aren't you? Because people will be chewing their tongue just like I demonstrated. No one... <laughs> you know, the older I get, the more I find out I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> I'm absolutely allergic. Sometimes my wife got to pull out a little splinter from my finger and my nail and I got to buy the washcloth. <laughs> yes, I'm God's man of faith and power, but I'm not Iron Man. You ever had to buy a washcloth to do something to, to, to divert yourself from pain? One time, Jennifer, who is, of course, now a uh, woman in her own right. She's married and all, but she was a little girl. We were to her, her grandmother's house, and she was nosing around. She's probably only two, nosing around Pastor Jeff in the little pantry. And one of the tomato or one of the cans from the pantry fell and hit her big toe. And when it hit her big toe, you know, it injured it, and it caused the blood to come under her toenail. You've seen that coagulate? And the only way to relieve that pain from that child was to take a, a needle, heat it up, make it very hot, and penetrate the nail and let the blood come out. You all with me? Huh? Her granddaddy would help do that. I held her. I held my little girl because I knew what was going to happen. And she didn't understand it. But she would suffer for hours, Pastor Jeff, if we didn't do it. Okay? So give her about one minute or less of this pain. And, and, and when we did it, the blood started coming out. And Donnell, when it was all over, she cried a little bit. But I cried like a baby. <laughs> I cried like a baby. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. That doesn't have to be. Because we don't, have, we, we don't have to cry like babies and hide in the dark and chew our tongue in pain. But you know what? You know what's amazing? 
Hell's going to be so real and the devil's going to be so powerful and the demons of hell are going to be all over the world. Let me tell you, God's going to allow demons that were chained since creation. You hear me? During the tribulation, there are two kinds of demons in this world. There are chained and unchained demons. Read your Bible. And, and God's going to allow Satan to let the chained demons come out during the tribulation. And you talk about hell. You don't have to be here. And if you're glad, you're not going to be. Give the Lord some praise. You see, here's what the darkness, here's what the darkness means very quickly. Darkness may hide sin. It may hide sin, but it always hurts the sinner. Did you hear me? Listen to this. The more darkened one becomes, the more depraved one becomes. The more one is darkened by homosexuality and lesbianism, the more depraved they become. The more one is darkened by pornography and lust, the more lustful and depraved they become. That's, that's what darkness does. The more one is darkened by lying, cheating, adultery, fornication, uh, anger, bitterness, drugs, alcohol, the more that we take in the darkness, the more darkness dominates. Don't run from it, run from it, run from it, run from it. You see, I don't mean, I don't mean to offend any of you, but this ain't what they're preaching in America in the regular pulpits. Okay? So... If this is not what you like, uh, don't blame me. I didn't write it. But if I don't preach it, he'll blame me. And I might miss him. I'd rather have you be mad at me a little bit and go to the other church down the road and find out how cold and dead they are and come back and say, thank God somebody loved me. Not all churches are cold and dead. Most are. Anyhow, let's move to the next. Six bowl. Six bowl. I'm, I'm moving because I need to wind this up. Verse 12. Are you there? Say amen. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters were dried up, or was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they were spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 15, this is Jesus' words. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walks naked and see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in the Hebrew Armageddon. Are you all with me? Look what's going to happen here. What's going to happen here is that a place of strategic historical significance known as the Euphrates River is going to come into play in prophecy like God said it would. You see, this is the part of the world, the Euphrates River, and it's hard for you to discern maybe because of the size of the screen and the distance you are from it. The Tigris and Euphrates River are the rivers that, especially the Euphrates, on which modern civilization, or civilization as we know it, civilization was birthed. Uh, the, the Euphrates River is historic. Let me explain very quickly. It, it is historic in the sense that it was the place where the first city was built. By Cain, the brother of Abel. Listen to this. Follow me closely. The, the Euphrates River is the place where we were told that Earth's last rebellion will take place. And Earth's first rebellion took place with the Tower of Babel. Historic. There's more, but I'll keep moving. It's, the Euphrates River is huge. It is 1,800 miles long. It's about 30 feet deep in many places and 3,600 feet wide in other places. It's huge. The Euphrates River has hellish connections. 
much of the occult and witchcraft and darkness and rebellion against God throughout history was birthed at these banks of the Euphrates River. Historic, huge, and hellish. But the Bible says one day the Euphrates River is going to be a superhighway. The Euphrates River separates the Eastern and Western civilizations as we know them. But the Bible says in order for the armies of the devil and the armies of God to get to the valley of Megiddo, where the battle of all battles of Armageddon will be fought at the end of the seven year tribulation, in order for a 200 million man or 300 million man army to come from the East to meet the armies of the West to fight against God, in order for it to happen, this river has got to dry up. How many know he's God and he can do what he wants? There are enough dams built on this river by nations who have its border that that river could be dried up by just pushing a button. It's all in place, church. It's all in place. Let me, let me, let me move you to the seventh and final bowl. By the way, this is just a, a, a rendition of a photo of what... The Valley of Megiddo looks like it is a picture of the Valley of Megiddo. This, this area is where the Antichrist, his assistant known as the false beast and Satan, will bring the armies of this world who hate God, hate Christianity, want to wipe out God. They will gather in this battlefield that's 87 miles Long and one mile wide and what Napoleon Bonaparte called as the most perfect battlefield he'd ever seen in his time. And there, Jesus will bring us down. <laughs> Somebody say amen. After seven years of getting ready, we're coming back with Jesus. He's riding on a white horse. His word is like a double-edged sword. And there he's going to meet the devil and the Antichrist. And the war to end all war. The, the, the blood of those killed on this battlefield, hundreds of millions, are going to run so deep that it's going to be as high as the horse's bridle. There at this battle, the Antichrist, his assistant, the false prophet, and Satan will be bound and cast into hell. I can't wait. Look at verse number 17. You still with me? Don't leave me now. Hey, look at me just a minute. You see why I tell you to bring your Bible? Always bring your Bible to church. You need to write in your Bible because somebody's going to come looking for your Bible after the rapture. Because they'll find out what you said to them before was true. And you need to understand. This is it. Well, anyhow. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as a mighty earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Look at this. 19, verse 19. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon, which is the capital city of the Antichrist, the one world ruler, great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, meaning each hailstone was about a hundred pounds. Men blasphemed God because of the plague and the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. 
My, 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 my. Please listen to me. When you see all these judgments, it's God saying it's done. Finished. And you, you'll ask yourself this question. Hear me now. Why does this have to be? Why? I thought God was loving and God was just and merciful. And I'll tell you this. It has to be for several reasons and I'll hurry and tell you. Number one, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy of God. God said, every sin has an appointment with judgment. Did you hear me? Every sin has an appointment with judgment of God. You may have gotten away from your mama, your daddy, the preacher, the judge, your coach, your wife, your husband. You may have gotten away from people. But every sin, God says, I'm going to judge. It's over. It's finished. I'm going to raise them up and judge them. He will purge the earth. It's been prophesied. Why does this have to happen? Because of the rebellion of the nations of the earth. There are nations in this world and people of those nations who have made gods of other things and people. I have fought against God's chosen people, Israel, and persecuted him. Them. God's said, I will bless the nation that bless Israel and I'll curse the nation that curse them. They'll be judged. This has to happen because of the sinfulness of mankind. This has to happen because God will purge the earth to get it ready for righteousness. Please, hear me. The world as you and I live in and know is going to end. There is going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Listen to me. I have said this to you before, but I'll say it again. Have you ever wondered when God is going to bring to justice those who have blasphemed and insulted and cursed and mocked Him and His church? Have you ever wondered when God is going to deal with the pedophile and the rapist and the murderer? And the adulterer. And people who tear up families and homes under the name of lust. And I got to live like my own man, my own woman. God says, this doesn't have to be so. You don't have to be here. This, number three, sinfulness of man. I, I don't need to re-preach this. But I'm closing with these thoughts. Saturday, a week ago from this past Saturday, an 18-year-old young man in Atlanta was stomped to death by four other young men while 57 other people were partying. You listen to me. You know the only reason why he died is because these four, one of the four was offended by somebody else at the party. And the next man coming down the street or woman was going to face the wrath of his anger. Let me tell you something. That's got to stop. Enough is enough. Let me tell you. The 10-year-old girl. A 10-year-old girl who was a survivor of cancer. Who was an amputee. Don't want to hurt what is expensive. One leg. 
one leg cut off this child in her cancer had a prosthetic prosthetic leg the cancer treatment so adversely affected her body but saved her life until her hearing was gone 10 years old the sheriff of the county said to the news media this week I feared I would have to tell you this we have found the remains of this child survived cancer survived and somebody killed her you listen to me this has got to stop and God says enough is enough you talk about a loving God I'm trying to close but all you're going to do is go someplace and eat okay and if the football game you're going to look at this evening going over time you ain't going to get up and leave the couch if you okay, I ain't mad at you. I just, <laughs> I just want, I want you to get it. I want you to get it. You know what being a pastor in the same town, twenty-five and a half years does? It makes me have to live right. Not that I have a problem with it. it makes me have to live right. People see me everywhere. But you know what else you don't realize? It makes you have to live right because I see you all over the place. After I preach this, I see you all over the place. So don't think it's a one-way street. I saw somebody in a restaurant last night. And that's about all I need to say. I could tell they were not comfortable. I went to pick up my little call in order. And while I waited, I could tell. And I think, oh God, I hope they're not in this service. Say to them, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Do you think God want to rack up in his belt how many people he's killed? No. He sent Jesus to rack up in his belt how many people are saved, if you pardon my poor analogy. But you get it. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die? I'm going to close with this comment. Much of you think this morning that I'm preaching to homosexuals, lesbians, thieves, liars, and adulterers. I'm speaking to Christian people who think they're Christian people or any Christian people. I'm speaking to lukewarm and different carnal people right here in this house. I'm speaking to me and you. I could bust hell wide open while I preach to you if I don't have it right with him. I'm not just speaking to the folks out there and say, oh, God, help them. I'm talking about people who might miss the rapture. Bow your heads, please. I will not, I will not try to convince you any other way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Teenagers, mama's dad, if you don't have to leave, please honor these moments of invitation unless you have an emergency. Because if you have to leave, it so distracts and somebody might miss their moment pray everybody pray everybody pray Jesus I got a son that's not saved if you if that's you Jesus I got I got daughter that's not safe Jesus my mama my daddy's not safe come on pray Jesus my grandchildren are not saved Jesus I know somebody who's backslidden they used to preach they used to sing in the choir they used to come to church then they, they brought me to church Jesus the people who brought me to you are no longer serving you please save them pray 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 Pastor Matura, you don't have to dress it up, sir. Pastor, you don't have to tell any more stories or convince me anything else. I know if I die today, 
I wouldn't go to heaven and I'd miss the rapture if Jesus came today. And pastor, I'm not going to dress it up either. I'm, I'm not saved. And I don't want to die and go to hell. Oh, I don't want to miss the rapture and go through hell on earth. Pastor, I need Jesus. And without you asking any further, I want to raise my hands and ask you to pray for me to get saved. Hold it up. Hold it up. Thank you. Hold it up high. One, two, three, four, five. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Don't be ashamed. There's five. There's somebody else. Six, seven, eight, nine. Hold it up. Nobody else looking. Ten, eleven, twelve. I'm counting because I want to acknowledge. Thirteen, fourteen. Uh, put, put it down now. Put it down. Every head bow, every eye closed. This is my last invitation. I will not give another invitation today unless I preach someplace else or have an appointment that God has for me that I don't know to give an invitation. This is the last invitation I'm giving this morning for somebody to make it right with God. If you didn't raise your hand a moment ago, raise it now. Raise it now. Thank you. Thank you. That's you. That's two of you. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Jesus. Put them down. Put your hands down. Stand up, everybody. Please, would you? Would you stand up? You've been sitting a while. Re- reach up to the sky. Reach up and like you're touching the Lord. Stretch up there. If I keep preaching this long, we're going to have to serve coffee. Come on, come on, come on. Re- reach up. Reach up and stretch. Okay. Now you put them down. We're okay. How many know you're okay with your soul and you're glad of it? It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Bow your heads now. Because the sinner's prayer needs to be prayed out loud. Everybody who raised your hands. I could have missed hands, but I saw at least 16. Somebody say amen to that. I I think I counted about eight in the first service. But that's I'm not just counting to count heads. Because the relationship is what matters. But heads represent souls eternal. Everybody repeat this sinner's prayer after me whether you're saved or not. If you're saved, it encourages those who need to pray. Out loud, don't just, don't just mumble it. Say it because you're talking to the Lord. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I recognize I cannot save myself. I confess I am a sinner. And I thank you, Jesus. For giving your life for my life. Today, with my mouth, I confess that Jesus is the Son of God. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Savior. Come into my life. I believe Jesus with my mind and my heart and by faith that I am saved. Wash away all of my sins of the past and now. And if in the future I fall, pick me up and keep me. Today, Jesus, I am yours. Fill me, Jesus, with your word and with your power. And help me to reach others with the good news of Jesus. Thank you. That I'm no longer going to hell. But I'm on my way to heaven. And I am glad. Amen. Amen. And amen. Give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Help me praise him.